Hello and welcome to another episode of the Old Lady Speaks podcast on the Fans First Sports Network. I'm your host, Danny Compu, for episode 171. Let me tell you, this one is going to be a fun one. So first, get the business out of the way if you want to listen to previous episodes or get all of our episodes, like and subscribe on your favorite podcasting platform, whether it is Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or Google Podcasts. If you do listen on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, give us a blessing through the wonderful algorithm via a five-star rating and a potential review. So to get to the fun, let me bring in the crew here of Samuel Presti. Hello, Samuel. I don't understand this feeling, Danny. Is this <laughs> is this happiness? It's happy. It, Are it's, we happy? It's it's both happiness and still feeling the effects of waking up very early to watch Juventus for the first time this season. So yes, <laughs> yes, yes. We've got Chucks. Hello, Chucks. Hey, hey, yeah. Let's not uh, get ahead of ourselves too much. Let's just call it contentment. Ah, let's, the, vo- uh, the yeah. voice of reason here to yeah. bring down all of our outlandish takes. Yeah, I'm uh, irrationally rational, I guess. There we go. <laughs> well, guessing who I'm about to bring in probably would like outlandish takes. Our agent of chaos, Sergio Romero. Hello, Sergio. Hey, fellas. Happy to be here as always. And and no, yeah, I'm, I'm ready to call it. I, I think this is it. I think, I think we're good. <laughs> I think we are good. Officially good. I'm calling it. There you go. There you go. Take that, Chucks. Uh, uh contentment mate that's uh i'm still keeping it tempered i'm still keeping it tempered well as you can tell our good mood relatively speaking except maybe for chucks although he he has a smile on his face so he's probably in a good mood i'm guessing uh as well is that juventus beat lazio 3-1 on saturday and here we are the day after uh recording this for you guys and uh since i want to hear more outlandish takes i'll send it back to sergio to kick off the takeaways from the week that was. Hopefully it's a good takeaway because the week wasn't all that all that good before Saturday. So Sergio, what you got for us? Yeah, my, my biggest takeaway, and look, obviously I think we're going to talk about the game and, and more in detail later, but my biggest takeaway is that this was, uh, and this is something that we'll also talk a little bit about later on, but this was a chaotic uh, international break. Uh, you know, something that I think we sometimes uh, haven't really you know, paid that much attention on, on how it affects the, the product on the field is all the off-field issues, how Juventus have had like two years running, uh, maybe even a little bit more in which, you know, they're they're constantly having this off-field situations, distracting the team, you know, be it the Super League, be it the, the Prisma investigation, be it the penalties, be it just every everything and anything. And this international break, we also had, you know, different new off-the-field issues and you know Juventus of the previous years, I, th- I think we all sort of agree that that you know those off-field situations kind of affected the on-field product. This time, though, it, it it was as far from that as possible. I think you know we will get to it into a minute, but I think they played the best game they've they've had in 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 a while, and they did that even with all of this situations happening off the field. So. I, I just wanted to to mention that and and make that note that you know this is a team that at least in their first test of having something that could distract the team or something that could break the team internally, they came out and they played a great game and they looked mentally just perfect. So I, I think that's a that's a big step up from from what we were seeing last year when when you could clearly, clearly tell that the team wasn't there in, in, in a lot of performance, mentally speaking. This time they, they went out and they did it and they performed, I think, in their, their best game in, in 
years maybe. So, you know, kudos to them for, for being able to keep that composure and, and just, you know, keep everything off the field and, and play, play the way they did. All right, Mr. Voice of Reason, what do you got for us there, Chucks? Yeah, my takeaway from uh, the week, the game, really uh, the game, uh, was that possession is, again, it's such a strange thing. Uh, and I think that this this game was a reminder of just how weird ball possession is. I mean, as you noted in the uh, post-game thread, um, Danny, I mean, the, we had, what, uh, 36% ball possession and, you know, Lazio had almost twice as much ball possession with, uh, you know, 64 or 64%. Uh, and yet, I mean, clearly we were the better team. I mean, you know, very significantly, we were the better team. We had more shots. And just more than that, it was just clearly we were the more threatening team. Uh, just a more, uh, you know, the team that was more likely, seen more likely to score. Um, I, think, I think it was the commentator said it towards the end of the game in the last few minutes of the game that we looked more likely of scoring a fourth than Lazio looked of scoring a second, which is an incredible thing. I mean, when, when have we ever, uh, well, when have we last heard something, a comment like that, or, you know, along those lines about Juve, especially against the big team. Um, you know, that's, I mean, that's, it's been a long, long time that I can think of um, that I heard something like that. And again, that's with, you know, almost half as much possession as Lazio did. So again, you know, it just shows the possession. And I think people are catching on to that now. I mean, I remember in the days of like, you know, the height of uh, Barcelona, Pep's Barcelona, you know, obviously all the tiki-taka football and all that. And possession was the thing, you know, it was it was the hot thing. It was the, you know, do everything you can to have as much possession as possible. And that means, you know, you've got the game. And I think now people are realizing like, you know, it's, Ideally, you have some possession, obviously, but it's not as big of a deal as people thought it was. Like, you can very much control a game and dominate a game even with very little uh, possession. And then even more than that, you can you can render the opposition pretty harmless, even if they have a lot of the ball. So, uh, you know, I think this game was another reminder of that. And, and just, you know, a really good thing to see that Juve was the one to uh, to make that point. All right, Sam, last but not least, what you got? There is an attitude difference in this team, and I think that it is most on display in the goal celebrations that we saw yesterday. All three of those goals were celebrated with wild abandon by both the scorers and the rest of the team. And I also, I have to point this out, right at the end of all the celebrations for the first goal, I'm telling you, Gatti and Vlaovic did like a Dragon Ball Z fusion dance. <laughs> yes, the old the old Pogba yeah. Dybala thing. Yeah, it, it was it was fun, but there's just a difference in how how this team plays. They seem you know last year they seemed subdued. They seemed like they weren't having fun, and that was before the point penalties and all that crap started happening. But this shows that, you know, this year they look like they are having a ball so far. And I really think that that is, is one of the, the big differences and what could be a really big difference as this uh, season goes on is that these guys look like they're enjoying themselves playing their football again. And that can't be taken for granted, you know, because a, a demoralized team 
is is not going to perform. And these guys look very much like the morale is high right now. Yeah, they do. And as we mentioned, you know, the the big win over Lazio, obviously a lot of the talk, at least pertaining to things on the field, was about, about how this was the first big test for Juventus this season. And, well, uh, I think, uh, as, as Sam put it in the headline of his match recap, well, that test was aced. So... Juventus, obviously, with a, a big three points, uh, a big way to come out of the international break. And just the manner in which they did it was obviously the biggest, biggest thing to me. I mean, you look at it and they score three great goals. You know, somebody who's been much maligned uh, even before he was playing as a makeshift wingback like Weston McKinney involved in all three goals, arguably one of the men of the match. Dusan Vlaovic scores twice. Federico Chiesa scores again. Looks like more of his old self again. You know, you can nitpick things here or there. Lazio's one of their only real goal-scoring chances, which obviously turned into the goal, was off a mistake by Juventus. So outside of that, there's a whole lot of positives. And I know, you know, Sergio jokingly said, you know, Juventus are good again, but this is the kind of game that maybe last year they either lose or try and grind out one nothing. Well, new tactics be damned, Sergio. Uh, Juventus is looking pretty good at this point, and this is the kind of win that you can go, okay, not only do you want to see it more often, but that gives you hope that this season can, at the very least, be something that turns into you know a solid top-four finish that Max Allegri continues to hammer home. Yeah, I think you mentioned something that, that I thought as well in, in the sense that Lazio's goal, uh, it's it's a banger. I mean, it's an excellent goal from from Luis Alberto. Like he just, you know, great shot. Not, no keeper alive was going to keep that out of the goal. But it comes from a mistake. And, and I think Juventus, like you said, in the last couple of years, you know, they, they've made those mistakes and either they, they lose the lead because they're winning 1-0 or they're 0-0 and they, they go down by one goal. And they would, immediately go into panic into you know like a downward spiral like they would not be able to get back from that mistake and we saw it over over and over and over again and it ended with with a lot of uh words spoken in this podcast and a lot of words written on our articles being like well we didn't play all that bad but you know you messed that one up and you're playing on racer thin margins and one mistake costs you the game this time they make that mistake not only are they already winning by two goals so you're not losing but they immediately get back to it. They immediately scored that third. Like you never saw that that downward spiral of of, of the you know immediately when you allow that goal, they would you know they get sloppy with the ball and and give bad passes and allow more opportunities almost immediately. Like it was a formula that this team followed. This time, like they immediately got over it. They immediately went back in the offensive and and they scored that third goal. And 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 to me, the, the biggest reason why I think this this felt so much differently is that those last 20 to 25 minutes it wasn't uh you know it, it was Juventus defending obviously you're winning by two goals uh, you defend a little bit more you look for the counter they had more scoring chances than Lazio did in those 20 to 25 minutes I mean they had that way you know shot that it was almost impossible to miss but he missed you know Arik Milic had an open header I think Moiskeen had another chance. Like they had more scoring chances in the last 20 to 20 to 25 minutes when they were outright defending and just playing the counter 
than Lazio did. Lazio couldn't do anything in those 25 minutes that was even remotely dangerous. So, so to me, that is, they're not, they're still defending, but they're not defending the way they did last year in which they were not producing any offense in which they were just, you know, grind your teeth and, and stick it out. They were defending fairly easily and generating chances on the counter. And, and, and that just felt so, so different for me from what we were seeing last season. Like it was, it was genuinely, genuinely different. And I think uh, for the first test, I, I know we all talked about it in previous spots and, and, and in writing and everything, but for the first test against a really good team, uh, or, or, or a good team, you know, maybe not really good, but against a good team, they did everything they had to do and they beat them con- convincingly. I, I think that was, you know, everything that we could have asked for. They they did. Yeah, I think it to your point, Sergio, Lazio did not have a shot from Luis Alberto's goal until stoppage time. <laughs> it was it was shocking. It, it was, was legitimately yeah. shocking. That shows you a couple of things. It shows you that the defense is tightening up. It shows you that this particular defensive lineup is the way to go. And also, you know, just it, there were a couple of, you know, there were many reasons that this, uh, that this game was the way it was. I think key among them was talk about a redemption game for Manuel Locatelli today. He had been below average to awful in the first three games of the year. But then, you know, he had that really great game for the Italian national team against uh, uh, against Ukraine at the end of the international break. And he just, he, he was directly involved in the first two goals, tangentially involved in the third, and just making, you know, making good defensive plays. He was keeping, he was really keying those counterattacks. And, and I think that that is, you know, if if you've got Locatelli playing that way, then you've got something going because that that regista spot is obviously key to what allegri wants to do in this 352 and you know we saw how they struggled when locatelli was not playing up to up to snuff with him playing a lot better now if he can keep this going and that's the thing i think that is is the biggest question about all of this is can it keep going i mean how many times have we been talking about have we been talking in a similar vein over the last two even three seasons oh we said it a few weeks ago yeah during Pirlo's time where it was like hey this is great and then the next week they come out and just lay an absolute egg i i i don't think it will be quite would be quite so bad because even the 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 bologna game we played this we played the new tactics we played the press we just didn't execute it right Whereas other games, we would like look like we were starting to fly and then Allegri would turtle up again. And and I wrote this in my recap, too. The question is, does Allegri stay with this? And especially, does Allegri stay with this if if we get punched in the mouth a couple of times? Because, you know, we've got two relatively easy games coming up. And then we get a sequence of Atalanta, Torino, AC Milan. If we have trouble in that sequence, is Allegri going to say, no, nah, we got to go back to to do in the old way because you know that's happened you know the when the year after cardiff he was still using the three two uh the four two three one rather and he used that for a couple of for a month and a half or so but the team started bleeding goals and he immediately inserted a third midfielder in and really stopped using that formation that had that had done so much the year before 
And that was his first stint. This, you know, with this stint being so far, far more conservative than he had been in the past, it's it's a thing that he's done before. You just got to hope that, the you know, the guys in the back room can keep him from doing it again if if and when we start really taking a blow or two. I will bring you in with this, Chucks. Uh, you joked yesterday after the game that, hey, don't look now, but Juventus has the the highest number of goals in the league. And then obviously Inter went out and dropped five on Milan. So, so much for that, Chucks. But uh, I, I, will, I will ask you this. Do you know, or did you know, that Juventus currently has two of the top five scorers in the league? I did not know, but I obviously it's Vlavic and Chiesa. <laughs> um, but no, I did not know that. That is, um, I mean, that's a good way to start. And uh, I mean, obviously, I hope we keep that up. I mean, will we? I mean, who knows, of course. But yeah, I mean, it is just, as Sam alluded to today and, and in other episodes, it is really just a night and day difference in just the general approach that Juve has had to games, you know, so far this season to, to last season. I mean, it really is. A, I can't. I can't describe just how significant of a change it has been. Again, defensively, it's been well. Of course, we're pressing more now. That's you know one big difference. But you know, defensively, last season, I still felt overall pretty confident in things. I mean, obviously, uh, you know, we had you know our Napoli games, but you know, in general, I still felt pretty okay about the team in a defensive sense. And of course, Alexandro aside, um, sorry, man. <laughs> <laughs> um, but but it was always it was always the off- offensive side that was the issue. It was just, and again, I go back to that phrase of the approach to the game. The approach just seemed, you know, as we've said so many times, it just seemed very almost reluctantly attacking, <laughs> rather than like genuinely wanting to like wanting to attack and really wanting to get, take the game uh, to the opposition. And it's just been yeah a huge difference, you know, this season uh, in the four games so far this season with just a genuine intent to attack. Even though, again, going back to the possession thing, even though we still, you know, we're not like having 60, 70 percent uh, ball possession in games, we're still having pretty low ball possession, you know, mostly like last season, but just doing so much more with the ball. And, and you know, again, that just shows how you can have technically the same kind of statistics or just just with ball possession anyway you can have similar statistics but then have such different outcomes from here 36 percent ball possession and just a radically different outcome in terms of how positive and how much you know we dominated the game versus last season where it would just be i mean you know pretty uh yeah again reluctant attacking so um yeah i mean that is very positive and so far it's you know showing to be um showing to be the way to go. I mean, one one thing I'll note as well is that in terms of the pressing and, well, the pressing specifically and then the proactive play in general is that I think we can afford to do something like that this season because we're playing fewer games. Um, I think we can go a bit more gung-ho like from game to game and like really play a more physically intense style of play because again, we're, yeah, we're playing just, you know, fewer games this season. And you can, you know, again, once a week games, that's easier to do something like that in. Yeah, I mean, in in a season where we're playing European football might be a little bit more difficult, might be more physically demanding, too physically demanding on the players. 
I know I mentioned the example of uh, Marcelo Bielsa, uh, his teams, uh, like I mentioned a few weeks ago, I don't know uh, when, but that was one thing that I remember some writers had noted about his teams that, I mean, he goes just gung-ho. I mean, you know how he plays with his teams. He goes just full throttle. And, you know, it would be first half of the season, just amazing results. And then they get tired because you can't sustain that kind of um, intensity for the entirety of the season. I think we probably will be able to do that this season. I don't know about subsequent seasons, but I mean, we might as well go for it. You know, if we're if we're not going to be playing in Europe, we might as well go for this type of approach while we're at it. And, you know, it's clearly working against the even against the possession heavy side like Lazio. It worked uh, very well. And again, I'm all for it. Yeah, I mean, that that's what a big thing about this season is providing is not only is it a chance for us to drop a second midweek episode? But <laughs> but and this is what a lot of people have pointed out as well, is that Juve could actually not only incorporate these new tactics, but they can actually work on them through the weeks rather than, hell, get Lazio, game Saturday, probably a recovery session Sunday, some type of you know scouting, you know, basically essentially preparing for Atletico Madrid, and then they play Atletico Madrid. And as we know from Juventus playing in, in the Champions League for so many years over the last decade and before that, there's not much time to really work on stuff. And now this year, they can actually work on stuff and be it pressing like crazy for the first half hour or truly working on a dangerous counterattack like they did for the, the rest of the game, essentially. They can work on this stuff and it's not just really kind of grinding and trying to pace yourself through games every three or four days and i think that that is a huge part of hopefully how these new tactics develop over the these first you know handful of games of the season and just look at i mean hell look at the response they had to allowing lazio to cut the lead in half i mean that's that's exactly what you want and last season it's you know you kind of have that feeling of oh god here we go and this season it, you know they've even against Bologna, they didn't totally go to hell. They responded. And, I mean, you look at the way they responded to Lazio making it 2-1. That's exactly how you want it. And, and you know, we meant, we mentioned at the top just how different this team is mentally. Well, that's that's a sign that this team is definitely different mentally. Yeah, and, and I think that that point is, is, is so important because, like, something that Sam said is, like, what's going to happen when, when this team hits that rough patch? You know, gets gets as he put it, gets hit in the mouth. And do they switch back to something? And and I think that was something that that we saw a lot because of this 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 grind that you mentioned. Danny. it's like you it, you you cannot afford to try something new because you have games every two three every two three days, and especially when you're playing in Europe, it's a knockout competition. It's it's not like you can afford a couple bad games here and there to develop a system because you know you suddenly get into a rhythm and. You drop three, four games in a row. You saw what happened, you know, in, in last year when they get bounced from the Champions League super quick. Like it's, it's hard for you to to adjust and to wait and to even train midweek, right? I mean, you have a whole week to prepare against a rival. You have a whole week to prepare formations or changes or or tactics. Something that they just didn't have in, in the previous seasons. I, I I also think that's why this is a little bit more more sustainable than what we've seen before because they're going to have that luxury of, of really drilling this, this system down. And, you know, also they have the players to do it. Like they have wingbacks. They have legitimate wingbacks now in, in Wea and, and Cambiaso, but also importantly, uh, you know, Kostic and 
surprisingly yesterday, and I'm sure we'll talk about it, but McKinney, who everyone knew that that's not his position. It's kind of weird that they're trying to make him that. Yesterday, he looked great. Like, he looked really, really good as a right wing back. And it's, you know, maybe maybe he can play there. Maybe he can make that formation work for him because it was shocking to see a guy that everyone, everyone thought that he was an bad fit for the formation be one of the best players on the field playing as a right wing back. So I think this, you know, nobody wants to be out of Europe. I think we all understand that because of the money, because of the prestige, because a club like Juventus should be competing for European silverware. But this year, I think if they take advantage of this, if they take advantage of, of really, you know, drilling in a formation, drilling in a style, becoming a team that that just knows how to play, even though it sounds weird, but, you know, it's, it's something that we haven't seen in a while. I think it's going to be a blessing in disguise, the fact that they're not playing in Europe and the fact that they can focus on two competitions and focus on getting it right. And it's going to build a foundation for, for the future. One other aspect of this game that has been different from years past, the stadium was loud. God, that was wonderful. <laughs> like, there was... Say what you want about the battles between the Ultras and the club. I I don't necessarily like Ultra culture in general, but having the Corva Sud you know, screaming through the entire match today, which just hasn't been a thing for such a long time. You know, it, it went back to the or to the early days of the streak when the stadium just you couldn't go in there and win if you were a visiting team. You know, if that stays the same, then you've all of a sudden got one of the worst places to go into as a visitor and play in in Italy and maybe in Europe again. That is something that will really, really be beneficial this season and hope and going forward too. Yeah, you just you compare the atmosphere from the home opener against Bologna to the Lazio game, and holy shit, it's just night and day. I mean, yeah. it was it was very much the last few years against Bologna, and then against Lazio, it's like okay, this is this feels like it's like 2016 again. And that's what you want, Want you know, it's like at the end of the day, you want people to enjoy the game, to enjoy their experience of being at any game and well, especially at a Juventus game. You know, you want it to be a pleasant experience and, you know, uh, that depends very much on the product on the pitch. It shouldn't entirely, I mean, you know, you should be there through the good and the bad, but still it's, yeah, that's a huge difference I noticed as well. Just the uh, general uh, attitude of the fans uh, in the stadium. Something that also felt like 2016 again. Uh, having a striker that is just great, like <laughs> clinical, like it's. I think you know. Last year we, we and I know we talked about this a lot about the great debate of uh, is he getting service? Like should he be doing more? You know the, the thing about you know Dusan Blahovic's brace and, and the two goals that he scored. It reminded me a lot, and I know they're not at the same level yet or anything, but it reminded me a lot of when, when they first signed Gonzalo Iwain, in which he had a couple of games in which he would just score with, with just very little. Like, he would make it look easy, right? Like, a couple of touches here, just a small opening, and he would shoot it, and it'd be a goal. And and you could tell, like, oh, this guy is, is at a different level than what we had, right? And no disrespect to, to Morata or Mansukic or those guys who were good, but they, they didn't have that elite level striker of like if you give them an inch 
if you give them one shot, they're going to make that call. And and I think that's what was missing from, from Blahovic's game in which he was very wasteful. Like He wasn't clinical in front of goal. Yesterday against Lazio, he was clinical. Like both scores that he made, they were not easy scores. Like they were not tap-ins. Like they, they were tough goals, but and he didn't have a multitude of chances. But the ones that he did, he, he made good on. And, and that was so, so encouraging to see like, just to remember, like, oh yeah, this guy, this guy has that potential. This guy has that talent to, to be just as good as those elite level strikers. And and it really, really, really reminded me of, of of the first time of the first few games we had Iwain, in which it was like a complete difference of of you know of the strikers that we had compared to a guy that was clearly a level of up. It was sort of that feeling again of like, oh, that's what a great, great striker does. He just you know you give him one shot and he's gonna bury it. And and that's how Blahovic looked yesterday. All four goals yesterday were just worldies, weren't they? They were yeah. good. All of them were beautiful. One one more thing about Blahovic. Both of those goals against Lazio, right foot. Yeah. Yes, good point. And Chiesa's was left. Yeah, all three of Juventus' goals were with the weaker foot. I mean, we don't see Federico Chiesa score many with his left foot, let alone one where he's basically standing still and taking a flat-footed shot like he did. And the power that he got on that shot. Yeah. Goodness. I mean, it, you look at the, the first goal Vlaovic scored with kind of that, how he had to kind of contort his body a little bit to get around the ball. And then obviously the the great, the, the third one that, that he scored was, you know, just obviously con- great control on the long ball from McKinney, had a few Lazio defenders around him, got got that open space and just bent one perfectly in with his right foot. So... Salute to him, because like we said, he's so important, yet it seems like he, he very much runs on his emotions. And well, the, uh, the, the steel line from Sergio, the uh, the vibes are good for Dusan right now. Indeed. So shall we talk about uh, not so good things to uh, <laughs> to, to finish sure. or to follow up all of this this happy talk? Yeah, sure. All right. Well, uh, as we mentioned, uh, the off-field issues are, are very much here again. And one, I think maybe, maybe was somewhat predictable. The other one, maybe not so predictable, although maybe not totally surprising, knowing how the uh, Paul Pogba 2.0 experience has gone and all the negative aspects that have come with it. I'm alluding to obviously to the failed doping test that Pogba had after Juventus' season opener that came to light earlier in the week, and then obviously Leonardo Bonucci reportedly set to take legal action in the form of a lawsuit against Juventus, albeit uh, he will donate all all of the potential money that he gets to the uh, hospital in which his son was. I can't remember if it's still seen at, but uh, was treated at when he was a young child and going through his medical issues. So I, I assume we'll take the Pogba f- part first. This sucks. That's all I got to say. I mean, it, it, it just it's just another it's just another thing. It's just another thing. Yeah, on the Pogba case, I mean, I I think my first instinct on when I read that case was, you know, this was probably not with like malicious intent. Yeah, now there was a possibility it was obviously, but and it seems like that is indeed a case that it was just negligence, which is still bad and is still a punishable offense. But you know, it just sounds like it was just sloppiness and just again, he got what uh, some prescription from a doctor in the U.S. and then just didn't do his homework and it's just sloppiness i mean you know it 
yeah, careless. And but that's still his responsibility as a professional. He's and he's 30 years old. He's not if he was like an 18 year old, you know, just getting into like <laughs> professional game. OK, you maybe you didn't know, man, you're 30 years old, man. You know, you've been a professional player for over a decade. You know how this stuff goes. Like, you know, you have to do your homework. So that's yeah, I mean, that's purely on him. That said, I don't want to attack his character that, you know, some people are doing that. And I mean, I'm a little careful with doing something like that. I don't want to necessarily, you know, attack his character, make it seem like he's a doping person or something like that. But he's just careless and negligent. And that's still his responsibility as an adult, as a professional player and just as, you know, a person. So that's, you know. Yeah, that's purely on him. And, you know, he's uh, unfortunately most likely going to pay the consequences for it. This the, the, the Pogba thing, when it first came out, I my initial reaction was he's probably took something in desperation for to keep the to get his recovery working after all these after all this time on the sidelines. And that would have at least been understandable. Now it turns out that he's just a dumbass. <laughs> I mean, anybody to to just take a th- a supplement without talking with a, your team doctors, you know, your buddy prescribed it for you. And it's just it, it's it's just more evidence of the fact that he's just not some of the things that he does. He just clearly does not think them through. And is it going to suck eventually that? This entire saga of Pogba ends like this, potentially. Yeah. But at the end of the day, if you've got grounds to terminate his contract off of this, do it. Because there's no point in keeping faith in him anymore after a after an issue like this. If you can void his contract, get out of paying him money and be able to to save that money that we would that would otherwise have just been a total waste. You've got to do it. As sad as it is, as sad as this whole saga has become, you've got to do it because you have to get out from under this now. Yeah, one hundred percent. I think you know at, to 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 your first point, uh, Danny. It sucks. It does suck. It's it's a huge bummer. I mean, uh, you know, Paul Pogba. You know, he was so so good during his first team that you've been to. Like he was legitimately one of the best midfielders in the world. I mean, no. no surprised that he was the biggest transfer at the time in, in, in football history. Like he was that good. And, and when he came back, you know, I think, you know, we all thought that he, he could, you know, sure. The, the salary was a bit too much, but it, it had so many hopes and expectations. And, you know, a guy coming back to the club where he, where he played his best, best football. And just, it has been one thing after another, after another. And, and, yeah, I think I wrote about it in, in the power rankings that came out this week. But, you know, I don't know if, you know, you'd have to go through the whole of Juventus history. But I don't know if this is one of the worst transfers ever in, in terms of hype uh, compared to to what he has actually done on the field for Juventus. And and this looks like a death knell. I mean, we, we still don't know. And, and, you know, we don't want to speculate. There's still a second test that I think is going to be in early October. They're going to have to, you know release that or analyze it or something like that there's still a very small hope that this is all uh just a a mistake or something i i doubt it but you know there's still a small hope either way i I agree with sam i think if this gives you an opening to kind of just you know let let this go i mean let this one go 
I think Juventus should take it. I don't know if it's going to be an, an option for them. Uh, I don't know if that's a thing that they could do. But at this point, between the injuries, between now this, uh, it's just, you know, everything that could have gone wrong has gone wrong. And I, I think even the most pessimistic amongst us when the signing was announced couldn't have predicted how how bad this has gone for Juventus and Paul Pogba. And I think it, it is one of those things in which it might just behoove everyone to to part ways and, and you know, just kind of reset everything. You know, like I think like Chuck said, like Sam said, you know, you you got to hope that it was a, a mistake that, you know, one of those things where they, you know, he was taking something and they didn't know it had a, an illegal substance. Who knows at this point? But but yeah, I mean, it's it's an absolute bummer. And again, something that this team definitely didn't need, especially when he was finally playing. He was finally, you know, getting minutes. He figured to it you know, get some momentum going and maybe make a difference in the season. I mean, this, I think this to me puts, puts a nail to that coffin. And I, I think we're going to, I think Paul Pogba, if he remains in the team, you know, to expect anything out of him at this point is, is, you know, it'd be, it made no sense. I think you have to cut your losses. Yeah. I think it was Marcotti who's basically saying that, especially with the doping regulations in Serie A, that, Teams basically have a clause in contracts that said, you know, if this something like this happens, then clubs can very much take the action of potentially terminating a contract. And especially what we're hearing about Pogba is that if it's even a year long suspension, if it's a two year two year long suspension, that's essentially the rest of his contract or any probably any good years that Juventus could get out of him. So, yeah, I mean. It's obviously a sad situation, but as as we've said so many times the last few months, the way this club's finances are, it is not the worst thing in the world to get out from under that much money. And I got including gross wages and everything, it's got to be what 40 million that's left. I mean, you look Something at the, like that. the next the base essentially 3 years left of the of the 4-year contract he signed. 40, 50 million euros at least. So gosh, obviously a sad situation for, for Pogba because as, as we alluded to, you look at just the way that he was welcomed back that first day that he came back for his medicals. And he was obviously beaming from ear to ear with a smile. Uh, the fans were going crazy. It was basically as, as crazy non, non uh, Ronaldo signing aside outside of J medical. And then it's just been negative after negative after negative after negative. And this is just the latest chapter and an unfortunate return to Juventus that has gone basically the opposite that either club or player uh, expected it to. Yeah, I think the other route that they have for avoiding his contract is that that potential that he took this supplement without telling Juventus's doctors. Correct. I, I have a feeling that there's something in the in a contract saying you can't do that. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I before we uh, get to the the uh, social question of the week, I think uh, I think it was uh, Romeo Agresti who was on with uh, Giuseppe on uh, G Just Juve the talk. And Romeo Agresti was joking and is very much improving English, I might say, but still a little a little tough at times. Basically, over the, the past few few years, Juventus uh, fans have basically had to become lawyers to understand the Italian uh, judicial system, which is a uh, chaos in and of itself. Labyrinthine. 
now lawyers to understand how contracts are written, uh, lawyers to understand uh, lawsuits like the one Benucci is, is reportedly filed, and now on top of it, doctors to understand what the hell is going on with Paul Pogba. So, fun! <laughs> and that's on top of everything going on with this team on the field. So, thankfully, yep. things might be turning a corner on the field. So, On a Benucci case, it's clearly clearly a case of he said she said i mean you know it's alecki saying one thing bonucci saying basically the opposite and it's like i mean who do you believe uh, yeah, i don't know <laughs> you know I, we'll never know i mean all we know is just what they've said you know in interviews and kind of some tangential information otherwise but i mean we'll never know so really the only thing that bothers me is that like come on guys how did we let it get this far like how did we let it get this ugly i understand you know there are things that get lost in communication but there's no way like y'all are grown as adults like how did you guys like come on we couldn't resolve this stuff like amicably before it got to this like that that's really the thing that just frustrates me so uh no i i you know regarding the Benucci thing i i don't i don't even really understand what the lawsuit is about <laughs> can you i mean can you sue someone for like being mean to you like that's essentially what what, it, what is happening right like i don't because they're, they're, it's not like they were not going to pay him his wages like if he's stuck around with the team they, they've done that for other like yeah. malcontent uh members of the squad it's more so i think bonucci is claiming that they did not provide the proper conditions after freezing him out for him to train away from the group essentially yeah so they were mean to him yeah, yeah, yeah it's like it's 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 tough like I think, and and I don't know who, you know, I don't know what what happens in, in the in the you know minds of these guys of or who is advising them or something, but it just feels like there's nothing to win, you know, at all from this. And I'm not talking about money because you know, like he said, like 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 you said, Danny, if he wins, he's going to donate that money, which is a worthy cause, and he could still do it without the without the lawsuit. <laughs> like I'm sure he has money to do to do so but it just why like what what is there to to gain from that like sure in the best case scenario like the lawsuit goes through and they say yeah juventus were kind of dicks to you and you pay some money to the guy and like what do you win by that like it just feels so so short-sighted so short-term so you know dumb that he's pissed off and he just wants to make a statement out of it i i just i don't get it like he was he had after the the Milan thing and and his transfer and everything. He already had such a fraud uh, relationship with with the Juventus fans and with the club and everything. I can't imagine this is going to help his overall legacy. And it yeah. sucks because he was a big part of a lot of very good teams. And and I'm sure that before all of this, a lot of people were you know very willing to just forget the last couple of years and forget the Milan thing and just remember the good times, like like you do with this this type of player so this just feels so so dumb I, I just don't get that guy and, and just personally he he seems like he's he's not the easiest character to deal with and, and this type of situation just kind of compound that so yeah it's just it's just a bummer it's just a bummer and it's just kind of a bummer for, for, for everyone I, I think it's a no-win situation for him for the club for the fans I, I think it just sucks overall it yeah. did save me some money because I was thinking of buying that Union Berlin kit with the Bonucci on it, and now it's, <laughs> it's not. <laughs> now, uh, no, 
No, now it's going towards the Kyle George for Sonone kid. I'm telling I'm telling exactly. You. Yeah, I, I think I'm gonna skip on that one. Well, it, it also has to do, I, I might add that and we don't we don't hear about players association stuff as much uh in European sports as we do with uh, American sports, but it does have to do with essentially collectively bargained conditions for players. Yeah. Uh be it ones who are frozen out of the squad or not. And I think that's that's the basis of where Benucci is is getting this case from is that Juve did not provide those conditions that were basically worked into the agreement between clubs and the players association. Like I said, I'm not a lawyer. I don't try to be one, so Yeah, it's it's just all of it is just awful. I mean, you know, of all the people that that were part of the streak, he was part of that the the unit that really powered it more than anything else you know his his relationship with the team and the fans was already a little bit weird because of you know his sojourn to milan and now it's just it's all just yeah it it it's all just you know <laughs> that, that was I, per- that perfectly said just just a sigh and yeah yeah it, it's it there, there there's not much to really say other than it seems to me like Bonucci is one of the fundamental problems with Bonucci is that he is not recognizing the way his body is going, the way that guys like Chiellini and Barzali did. And, and he's still trying to be the guy that he was. Whereas as other players that have retired recently have just been like, yeah, this is it. You know, I'm, I'm not that player anymore. Yeah, I also think, and, and you know, this has become a you know character assassination of Benucci, but I, I do think that he never quite. Uh, I think he never quite stepped up into that leadership role as 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 I think he should have. I mean, if, when when he was the captain, like you you heard so many, you know, the, the team was so unfocused, and I know there was a lot of things going on, you know, off field, but but he never really quite felt like 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 the the captain like Kilini did or like like you know those those you know old school guys did and you saw it like when he was partially sort of stripped of the captaincy by Danilo last season and you know he was kind of like the captain just because he he had been there for a long time and he had that hierarchy but he I, I never really felt like he was that that you know leader of men that I think you know Buffon and and Chiellini were before him and it's it's weird and a little bit of a side but even in that uh, the Amazon show and the all or nothing like every time Bonucci was on camera like he was just kind of unpleasant like I like yeah. I don't know I just yeah. he seemed like a rough guy to to deal with and and I'm sure those guys you know you can get away with a lot of that when you're you know one of the best center backs in the world but you know when those skills diminish to to Sam's point and when you're you know getting up there in age you know, it probably doesn't, you know, it's not great for you to be that kind of like prickly sort of presence on, on, on the locker room. And yeah, it's, it's tough. It's a guy that just never knew what his place was or, or how, you know, to, to carry that, that, that leadership, that heritage with him. And, you know, it's, it sucks that he has to come to this, but it is what it is. I think Juventus was, they were completely right to, to try to unload him when they realized that he was not going to play and they gave him options. And, and you know he's playing in another club, so I mean it. It just feels, it just feels like a stain for a guy that, if he had a different personality, uh, probably would have been you know remembered much more fondly by Juventus fans. Indeed. All right. Well, we'll we'll end things on a more happier note. 
Question here from Clay Stewart on Instagram. Outside of Dusan Zlavich, who was your man of the match against Lazio? And as we said at the top of the show, there's a whole lot of guys to choose from. I, I think it would have to be Mechanic. Just the way that he played and the way that, not only the way that he was playing, but the way that it just popped out at you that that was not what you were expecting at all. So, yeah, I think that that would be, for, for me, definitely McKenny, the way he played. I mean, when you're directly involved in all three goals. <laughs> yeah, I, I think McKinney is, is a very good choice. Uh, I think he, he had an incredible, incredible game, especially as, as Sam said, like in a position in which two weeks ago we were all saying like he can't play there. Like that's not his natural position. And suddenly he looks pretty good there. Like he definitely brings a different profile than than, than a guy like Tim Weah, for example. But but it's equally as effective. Like he was really, really good, both offensively and defensively. Like I think he was really, really impressive. But outside of, of McKinney, you know, I have to to give props to Blahovic. I mentioned it up top and, and I mentioned it before, but he was really, really, really good. Both of his scores were upper echelon elite level striker goals in 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 which like like i was saying like if you just give them give them an inch and that's all they need to to make you pay and that's exactly what Blahovic did uh on on saturday against lazio like he he looked every bit the foundational number nine striker that that we all know that he can be so to, to me he's he's my man of the match there's so many different people i could choose uh Okay, I will go with Federico Chiesa because we haven't talked about him a lot today. Uh, but yeah, I think, I mean, it, for me, besides giving Chiesa some props, it's between McKinney and Volvich for the reasons you guys you guys said. I mean, they were both great for very different reasons. And I, I think McKinney is almost more of a pleasant surprise more than anything because he's not a wingback. You got to give him a little extra bounce and, you know, you're own personal match rating just for the fact that he's not a winger he's not a wing back he's not a full back or anything so uh for him to be playing the way he did against lazio you know a, a team that is very very talented out wide with the guys they have offensively and defensively he did well so you know i think besides giving freddie church some love i will also probably say mckinney with a slight edge over vlovic but you can't go wrong with any three of those guys because they were all great but uh, that shall do it for this episode. Thank you all for listening. If you do want to send us uh, questions, do it through your preferred social media channel. We'll try and uh, post more about questions on Instagram uh, since we are still with the new Twitter account that is uh, in need of some more followers. Follow us there at BWRAO underscore 1897. Follow the Fans First Sports Network on Twitter at Fans First SN. Follow us on Instagram, follow us on Facebook, all that good stuff. Just search black and white and red all over all three of those places, and we will pop up there. So if you do want to listen to us on your favorite podcasting platform, feel free to do so. Search the Old Lady Speaks podcast. If you do listen on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, give us a five-star rating and a review. And now, since I'm rambling on here at the end of the show, for Sam, for Chucks, for Sergio, and for producer couch this is danny saying thank you very much for listening and we'll talk to you guys midweek looking ahead to sauce